Hi there. Welcome back to Sunday School. I'm Mike Stedham, and today we're going to talk about the problem of favoritism. Now, favoritism is something we're probably all familiar with. Favoritism, showing better treatment to one group of people or another, and oftentimes this display that we're giving, the the way that we favor people, is because we expect to get something in return. Now, the topic of favoritism is something discussed in several places in the New Testament, but probably the clearest discussion of favoritism comes from the book of James. James is one of the general epistles, general letters that we believe were circulated among the early Christian churches, probably during the second half of the first century. Now, the Bible Uh, especially in the New Testament, has a number of people named James. Um, It was not an uncommon name in the first century. It's not an uncommon name today. But the book of James, many biblical scholars believe that the author of James is the James who is listed as a brother of Jesus. And this is the James that we're going to talk about. Uh, as far as we know, James was not one of the twelve apostles. He, there are two Jameses among the apostles, but the brother of Jesus is not one of them. But biblical scholars do believe that this James, the one that we believe wrote this letter, was probably quite a leader in the early church during the second part of the first century. He would have been one of those people that the early church would have turned to, certainly his uh, family connection to Jesus would have been an important part. And also, he was clearly a disciple of Jesus. He was a believer. He did accept this. Uh, the time in which James writes his book, we believe, is probably one of the earlier of the general epistles, because uh, even though he does write it to a church that has both Jews and Gentiles in it, it appears that is written at a time when the Christian church is still mostly comprised of former Jews, people who have left uh, their Jewish faith and have converted to Christianity. Not long after this time, of course, the early church becomes a primarily Gentile organization. Uh, Paul, of course, talks of of himself as being uh, the apostle sent to the Gentiles, and he begins to bridge that gap. But this James is very familiar with the Old Testament, uh, very familiar with Jewish traditions, And so we believe that it's probably one of the earlier of the letters. And again, as I said in the introduction, we're going to deal with the part of the book where he talks about favoritism. Today is the first part of a two-part lesson. Next week, we're going to get to the heart of really what the book of James is about, and that is the question of faith versus works. And even though He doesn't really contradict or go against what Paul says about this. His emphasis is slightly different. This has made the book of James a very popular book among many Protestant denominations because he does emphasize the good works that we do to show or prove that we do have faith. But that that's for next week. Uh, and by the way, both of these come from the second chapter of James. So today we're going to be focusing on the first half of the second chapter of the book of James, beginning with verse 1. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show 
Favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now, the author of our uh, book this week, the uh, the author of the book of commentary that we base a lot of our Sunday school lessons on, his contention is that within our actual church services, Christians have taken this lesson to heart. We are very careful to make people feel welcome regardless of their physical appearance when they come into church, whether they uh, appear to be wealthy or if they appear to be down in their luck and not have much money. The church is a place where everybody can find sanctuary. And it, of course, would have been human nature in the first century, the time that James happened to write this letter, that the church would have been looking for new members and people with resources would have been a very important thing. And today, quite frankly, in our everyday lives, we sometimes look upon what we do for people as transactional. What good can this person do for me if I do something good for this person? This is not the attitude that James is endorsing, and certainly it's not the attitude that Jesus shows us in his life. Instead, Jesus and the early church made a big emphasis out of helping people who can't turn around and help us. In fact, Jesus even talks about that. He says, if you're going to invite somebody to a dinner, you don't invite a rich person who can invite you back. No, you go and find somebody who physically or monetarily can't repay you. That's a surer sign that you're doing the right thing uh, as far as your Christianity goes. And James certainly endorses this. In fact, there are a number of things that we're about to talk about that show that James is quite a good student of the Sermon on the Mount and the basic concepts that Jesus taught. So certainly, he's telling us here that in a very public way, we are not to shun or uh, look down upon people who don't have riches, and we certainly shouldn't go out of our way to try to cozy up to those people who appear to be wealthy. So this is the kind of discrimination that he condemns at first. But he goes on, because really there's more to it than that. Beginning with verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in the faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? And again, this was one of the uh, issues. This is one of the things that separated uh, many of the Jewish synagogues in the early days of the church from many of the Christian congregations. The assumption was among many of the Jewish leaders of Jesus's day that wealth would make it easier for you 
to find God, that people who were wealthy, part of the reason for their wealth was a reward from God for their good behavior. And poor people were looked down upon quite often uh, as in some way being morally inferior to those people who were rich. Well, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus turned all those ideas on their head. And uh, the part that James refers to here, blessed are the poor, blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus spent a lot more time hanging out with poor people than he did with wealthy people. It's clear from his ministry they needed him more. And many biblical scholars have talked about the sense that somebody who does not have great earthly riches is probably going to be more attuned to the spiritual side. Uh, their their lives are not uh, consumed with the various physical items that they have, making money and keeping money. They may be more willing to accept the humility that a Christian is supposed to show. And so this uh, is one possible interpretation of the line about being poor in spirit and blessed are the poor. Certainly, James accepts that. And he says that in a way, God is showing God's favoritism toward these people, maybe because they need it more. Uh, That's one way of looking at it. And then he talks uh, about the problems that uh, they have with uh, the rich people who are litigious, who are always trying to take things away from them. Beginning in verse 8, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Uh, That's what, of course, we call the golden rule. The the basic premise is found in the Hebrew Bible as well. Jesus just put it in that way that uh, James calls the royal law. Verse 9, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. And this goes back to one of the points that Paul makes in many of his letters, uh, how the law itself as given and as observed in Jesus's day, was imperfect because it was too difficult. It demanded too much. And the idea that if you broke one part of the law, you were guilty of the whole law is what James is talking about here. Instead of that, Jesus has brought us a new way of thinking about obeying God, not obeying God because we fear the punishment because we have broken a law, but the desire to do good, the the law of having God's will inside our hearts. And that's exactly what James is going to talk about beginning with verse 12. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It is more important for the Christian attitude not to be the type of person who fears breaking the law, but instead looks to show mercy. And we are promised by Jesus and by the apostles throughout the entire New Testament that we will be shown mercy 
In the same way, we show mercy to others. This is the new idea behind the New Testament. It's a new way of thinking about a human's relationship with God. This is what Jesus has brought into the world. This is what James brings to us. And even though showing favoritism may not seem like the worst of the sins, it's certainly not comparable to adultery or murder, the point is any sin is a problem. Any sin can convict us if that's the measurement that we're using. So instead, James is encouraging us to look at our Christianity as our faith as a matter of mercy, and not showing favoritism, but showing the kind of love and compassion to others that God has shown to them. And as I said, next week we're going to get into the second part of this chapter, where we're going to talk about the big issue of that day and our day as well, the question of faith versus works. Let's conclude with a word of prayer. Dear God in heaven, we are so thankful that you have shown favoritism to us, to those of us who have loved you, to those of us who have devoted our lives to attempting to follow you. We are thankful for that. Help us not to show favoritism to those people who can do things for us, but to remember the mercy and the grace that you have given, especially to those who need it the most. In Christ's name, amen.